Welcome, everyone, to our March episode of Silas Speaks, Silas' monthly podcast, which is your window into what is happening at Sila and the securities and insurance licensing industry. Silas Speaks is brought to you by Rhodes Online and Sila, and I'm Alistair Yu. And I'm Diana Ivey, and we have a really great episode today. Joining us is Jill Marachini, the License and Applications Supervisor at the State of Connecticut Insurance Department. And Jill's going to tell us all about her journey within the insurance department in Connecticut, and she's going to give us a peek into the day in the life of a regulator. And most importantly, she's going to share some tips for some of the most common mistakes she sees in licensing compliance. Right. It's a really great conversation. And, you know, Jill really peels back the layers into, you know, what happens as a regulator and and all the things that we should be aware of as a compliance industry. Uh, But before we get to her, Here's some things that are coming up on the SILA calendar. On Thursday, March 16th, 2023, the SILA Education and Training Subgroup will have a meeting, and that's at 2 p.m., so make sure you set your calendars for that SETS meeting on the 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern. And also, on Thursday, April 13th, mark your calendars a little before tax day, Thursday, April 13th, the SILA Minnesota chapter, they'll be having their meeting at 9.30 Eastern. So that's Thursday, April 13th, Silent Minnesota chapter meeting, 9.30 a.m. And with that, Diana, what regulatory updates should our listeners be aware of? Well, I'll mention a few. Um, First one I'll mention is New Jersey. Um, Effective on April 1st, the New Jersey company appointment renewal invoices will become available for payment through June 5th, of this year, and that will be available on, on the NIPR. Um, in North Dakota, the invoices for appointment renewals have to be paid by April 30th of this year, and those invoices are already available on the NIPR. Uh, for, let's see, for Rhode Island, um, there's a very informative bulletin um, from the insurance department and um, from the superintendent of the insurance department. It's all on insurance claim adjuster licensing. And in light of the, you know, still existing non-uniformity in adjuster licensing, this bulletin does a really nice job with explaining um, for adjuster licensing in Rhode Island, what types are available and what people need to do to be licensed or to renew their licenses, their adjuster licenses in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, It's really helpful for explaining three different types of applicants that are possible. And so I would encourage our listeners, anybody who has to deal with adjuster licensing to pay close attention to that very helpful bulletin from Rhode Island. Absolutely. Thanks, Diana. Yeah. Our listeners should know, one, they can get this all on the Silas site, but they can also find it somewhere else now, and that's on the LinkedIn page. So Sila has a LinkedIn page, and you can find all the information that me and Diana talked about in terms of meetings and regulatory updates, all on the Sila LinkedIn page. So make sure you become a follower there. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Just another place to find good information. Absolutely. So now, without further ado, let's go ahead and have a chat with Jill. 
So we'd like to welcome to the pod today, Jill Marikini, who's the License and Application Supervisor at the Insurance Department of the State of Connecticut. Hi, Jill. Thanks for being on with Hi. me. Hi. Welcome, Jill. Hi. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, the pleasure is all ours. It's so wonderful to have you on. Jill, uh, I know that you've been with the department for some time. Um, have Is this something that you always, I mean, tell us about how you got there. Is this something you've always dreamed about, you know, growing up to be part of, to be a regulator? <laughs> to be a regulator. Yes, it was my dream. No, um, I, I actually got started. Um, I've been here for 24 years and I started out in like the licensing division. Um, and uh, I started out as a clerk typist and my, I, I was going to college and I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my aunt worked here and she's like oh just apply for the job so I did and here I am I'm still here so I've been in the licensing division and then I went over to the business office um, and then from there I went to the deputy commissioner's office and then back to licensing so I've been around a little bit uh, which is nice because you know when you're in one division only you're like why are they making us do this but then when you go to different divisions you're like okay, that makes sense. I understand now why they're making us do this. So it was really good learning all the different areas. Absolutely. So yeah, I, you know, totally enjoy it. Just well, yeah, obviously she, she found out that licensing is the absolutely most fun place in any insurance department to be. So she, absolutely. she chose that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> absolutely. She, you know, her aunt worked there before. She saw that licensing is a family business. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I like to say this is my first real job because before this, I like worked at daycare or, you know, worked at CVS. So I never had like an office job. So this is my first and only real job. <laughs> I, I see. And there, there's no carryover, right? There's no comparison between no, no, no skills that need to. <laughs> well, daycare <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> the producers. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. But no, it's really, really great to have a regulator on and someone who works in, you know, works with the insurance department. We're so happy. I mean, it really gives our listeners a great view into the perspective of the regulator, right? And mm -hmm. how they see things. And just like you said, you know, you've had this career, you know, over 24 years, you know, working, you know, uh, within the insurance department or within the public sector, right? And you've seen all these different aspects of it and how they intertwine together, you know, yeah. by this complete regulatory solution, right? So that's really great. Um, I think what I'm interested in, and I'd, I'd really like to know is what is, you know, what does a day in the life look like for Jill? Right? Okay. Well, um, Connecticut in, in our licensing division, we actually have six employees. Uh, I'm included in the six. Um, we actually handle the individual and business entities for 11 different license types. There are other license types, but they're handled in different areas, but we handle 11 of them. Um, you know, we review the applications every day, handle the processing, emails, phone calls, all of that. Um, and one big thing that I did want to mention to you guys is um, April 1st, 
well, all of our adjusters and appraiser licenses renew June 30th of this year. And there's about 120,000 of them uh, renewal notices that are going to be going out. Oh my yeah, so, wow. so it's a lot. So it's 120 of that, plus about 5,000 producers. Plus, we also have the premium finance um, renewal also in that same time, that 90-day time frame. So this, uh, between April and June for the renewal part, it's going to be very busy for us. Mm -hmm. And then um, going to, you know, July, August, that'll be like the reinstatements of the people who didn't renew time. <laughs> yeah. So we're actually right now working on an FAQs for our website. Mm -hmm. So for the adjusters and appraisers. So hopefully that will help and be able to answer like their questions. So right now we're just doing a lot of besides processing and stuff, we're doing a lot of cleanup. So hopefully their fingers crossed for me, please. Hopefully there won't be too many problems with um, the renewals for the adjusters and appraisers this year. Right. Well, it's good that we're breaking news here. Everybody knows that, you know, <laughs> the renewal period for Connecticut <laughs> does start in April and breaking news notifications will be going out soon. So yes. be on a lookout for that. Get your renewals in on time. Right? Yeah, you exactly. don't want to be reinstating. Get That's it done. Right. right. <laughs> and again, Connecticut does not have continuing education for our adjusters and appraisers. It's just the renewal. <laughs> right. Right. And and with that, I mean, 24 years. That's a long, mm -hmm. that's that's quite a long time. How have you seen compliance change? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, just let's talk about producer re individual renewals alone. Mm -hmm. Connecticut had them. Um, January 31st, each even numbered year. So we'd have to do all of the producers. Um, thank goodness we changed over to birth month. Mm -hmm. um, and at, at first we, we were actually birth date for a while. And then we changed over to birth month. So we're the end of the month. Like I believe most states are like that. Yeah. Don't quote me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to get on board with everybody to be, you know, the same as everybody. So um, I think that's a huge thing. I mean, and again, going from only having paper to now basically pretty much everything for Connecticut is online. Um, there's a few things that when we transitioned over to SBS, they didn't have those yet. So um, now we do paper on some things where our old system, it did do online stuff, but not mu not much, but I mean, just just over time, just the difference in in paper and snail mail compared to emails alone. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, we we see that too on the on the other side, on the agency side as well, with yeah, thing people's applications or the firm's applications. Um, yeah, still a little ways to go, but oh, so much further along than where where the the industry was, you know, twenty yeah. years ago. Well, if you have any suggestions for me, that's something we can do better. I mean, I'm all ears. Send me, send me, tell, tell me, you know, um, I'd always like to be able to make sure we're doing things the smoothest we possibly can. And, you know, as yeah. long as it fits in with the statute and the regulations. Yeah, absolutely. And Connecticut is, is definitely probably one of the leaders of the pack in terms of ease. Oh, um, but, good. But all, that's what I meant is not all yeah. states are there, but you know, it's, it's yeah. coming, it's getting there. You know, yeah. It drips and drops. <laughs> yep. Just, just like with everything, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. it was, 
I'm sorry. It was interesting to me, Jill, that you brought out, you know, it's the question just out, out there, you know, how other states are doing things as well. I mean, uniformity is a big thing. Yeah. You know, and cross. And if you could just talk about that and how, you know, as a state, you look to other states and you kind of compare, contrast and figure yep. out how to work uniformity in. <sighs> Oh, uh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, repeat, repeat that again, please. (laughs) If you could repeat it again for me, I got caught off guard. (laughs) Not at all. Sorry. It's just, and and I think part that's also part of SILA as well, right? You know, it's just understanding and and looking around as a regulator, you know, what, what, what's important in our state? Right. 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 What are other states doing to address certain areas or certain issues, right? And how can we, you know, compare, contrast, analyze, right. and, you know, put put out a, a, the proper, I'll say, solution, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, all states want to be um, uniform, uh, you know, Connecticut included and everything. And we're doing as much as we can to be uniformed, you know, to go along with our statutes and our regulations. Um, like I had mentioned, you know, we don't have continuing education for our adjusters and appraisers. And, we all know, you know, going to the SILA conference and everything, that was a huge topic, um, huge topic there. So it was actually, it was great going there and listening to all the different things. And um, it was wonderful to, to me being a regulator to hear what states do have like adjusters and what states don't have adjusters. And it was nice to be able to talk to states and say, all right, so what line of authority would like the appraiser fall under or is it separate? So it, it was nice. Um, we actually took a lot of notes on that and brought them back here and um, just made up some charts for her just in, in house to say, okay, this is, this uh, state has this type of adjuster and whatnot. So, I mean, you, Silo was wonderful in that. And like I said, I never really, um, dealt with or been with SILA prior to me getting promoted. So it was nice to see that and then learn about like the different charts and everything that they have. So, you know, trying to do as much as humanly possible that Connecticut can for uniformity and being reciprocal. Um, But I mean, obviously there's certain things that right now we can't do, um, you know, like fingerprinting and stuff because it's not in our statute. So that's, that's not something that we can do. So Mm -hmm. there's, you know, certain things you can't do because of the statute. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. uh I'm sorry. I was just going to (laughs) say, since you mentioned uh, having uh, been involved or getting involved with SILA, I I guess fairly recently, talk a little bit about, um, you know, what drove you to to, I, I know that you're active because you were participating in the tri-state chapter meeting and yes. obviously you went to Silas. So, and as a person who recently joined, I think it'd be nice to hear, you know, what your experience has been with joining, what drove you to join yeah. and what is your experience now being a member? So, like I said previously, um, my previous, our previous supervisor in licensing used to go to the SILA meetings and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would be the one that mainly went to all of that. And, um, and then when I became supervisor, gosh, I think it was over the summer, um, I was able to get involved a little bit more with SILA and, you know, being able to go to the 
the meetings that they have and also going to Seattle to that meeting, but I'm talking the webinars too. Mm -hmm. It's just really nice to hear like different things and be like, oh, so so so-and-so is doing that. Mm -hmm. Hmm, I wonder if we could do something along those lines or whatever. So I, I, I enjoy it. And I actually, um, depending on the meeting, I'm not the only one that goes, I make my team also go. So everybody's involved in it. Um, and they're all listening in to see like, especially the adjuster meetings that they have and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I want them all to be able to grasp the information like me. I, you know, cause sometimes I can have, I can go be the only one in on the meeting and then you may forget something or they hear something that you didn't hear. So it's nice. And then we go back and we all talk about the notes that, you know, we took and everything. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's wonderful to have it and have that like the, um, not that long ago, a week or so I needed to go and look at the adjuster chart that they have to see if they had a certain column on there. And I'm like, Oh, great. They do this. <laughs> this is helpful. So it definitely has a lot of helpful information in there. Right. Right. No. And, and I think there's a couple of things that you, you hit on here. One is just being inclusive and being able to, I mean, not just with the industry, but one with your team, right? So that everyone can get this holistic view. I mean, you talked about, you know, your road in Connecticut, right? And how you work in all these different sectors and different parts of the department so that you could see how they all work together. And I think yeah. that's really a, a key in, in issue at SILA, right? Is being able to see, okay, we're a regulator. Let's see how industry reacts. Let's understand industries, um, you know, environment and and how their activities are and how they relate back and you know we can get be more empathetic or sympathetic you know, right the entire situation absolutely right. yeah from from your perspective um as a regulator mm-hmm. what what tips might you you know might you give to producers out there or firms that have yep. to you know license themselves um, tips for avoiding common mistakes that you might be seeing, any trends that you're seeing that um, yeah. people be aware of so that they get it right the first time. So we like to call them pain points. Um, and actually, I did speak of, I know that we all spoke over them at the silent meeting um, in one of the meetings that we had. But a couple, I, I have like three of them that I'll tell you that are big pain points for us. Um, applying for the wrong license type. So you just took the exam for, let's say, producer life health, but you know, you're supposed to wait one to two days. It says it on the thing. So then the system, uh, so the information comes from our vendor and goes over to NIPR so that it shows the exam and then they'll apply for the fraternal or they'll apply for the CIC license, certified insurance consultant license. And those are not the right ones. So then we have to reject the application and now you have to go back in and apply for the right one. So that's one, a a huge thing that we, um, especially since we started putting our fraternals and our CIC licenses online, that's a huge one. Yes, Alistair. And and these are for the original licenses, right? Yes. First license, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Initial, um, initial. And you know what? The funny thing is, is it's not only residents. We've had non-residents that have done the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I do, I can't answer it. I don't know. I'm not sure. But non-residents have also done it. So that's one of the big ones. And then another one is um, they answer yes to the application, any of the questions, and they never put documents in. 
Oh, you so mean the background questions? The background questions, okay. yeah. So, and then they never put the documents into the warehouse. So my suggestion, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just giving you a suggestion is don't put any application in and spend that fee in, until you have every single piece of document, be it a background question, be it um, the worker authorization document, any of that stuff. I would say, make sure you have everything first. And then put the application in because you don't want to spend the money and, you know, the application become deemed abandoned because you didn't put it in. So I'm just trying to thinking, you know, money wise, saving on that. Oh, yes. so very, we, very we good a, and very yeah. practical advice for sure. <laughs> yeah, we definitely get a lot of those. And then the last one is, and I'm only talking about Connecticut. I don't know what other states do, but for Connecticut, if you apply for the license, any license type, and one of the background questions you answer yes, but it was incorrectly answered, email the department. Please do not submit a second application. Um, the reason why is we don't know if it should have been yes, but you're trying to get the application through or if it was just an error. Mm -hmm. So we would rather you email into us and we'll tell you what to do. Um, so please don't submit a second application. That's those are our three big ones. That's great advice. I mean, I, you know, sometimes little mistakes can happen. And so Absolutely. that's a great way to correct it. And yeah. So yeah, good. we're all human. We're, mm -hmm. I mean, mistakes happen. It's, it's, it's part of life. Yes, exactly. Great advice. Mm -hmm. And just to add on to the PSA a little bit. Yeah. For our listeners, who should they email? Okay. So <laughs> they would email the licensing division. So it would be CID.licensing at ct.gov there you go right. for connecticut issues only yeah yes connecticut because if you send us another yeah. states we're going to send it back saying i'm sorry i can't tell you another state's requirement yes exactly <laughs> that was good right on right on so i mean we touched about uniformity before and and one of the things i believe you guys have done recently is move to sbs or state-based system yes. right yes. tell us about that how has that been so we uh, transitioned over to SBS uh, November of 2021 and talking just about license, I mean, the whole um, insurance department transitioned over, but talking about licensing Olin, you know, the transition for us in licensing wasn't bad because we had NIPR before that. So we were already doing our applications and stuff online. So um, for us, I mean, obviously, yes, some business rule changes had to be made here and there, whatever. But for licensing, it wasn't as bad as I'm sure other divisions, you know, in 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 Connecticut um, had or maybe even other state agencies. But for us, it was kind of smooth, you know, I'm going to knock on some wood right now yeah. to make sure nothing happens now that I say that, you know. We'll <laughs> but, let Roger Graves know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Roger and all the other states that are thinking about it, it's a good move, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not, not that pain-free, pretty pain-free is great. And, and I think everyone's really happy, you know, uh, yeah. free as well, right? Just that. I mean, and exactly. And it took like, don't get me wrong. It took a while to do like go over all of our business rules again, but we did have the business rules from NIPR, which helped. Whereas if you're fresh off the boat and nobody, you haven't had the NIPR experience, then doing business rules from scratch. Yeah, I'm sure that's, I'm sure it's definitely more entailed 
than what we went through, you know? So you work with NIPR. I mean, there are services available via NIPR for Connecticut, I guess is the way to say it. And yeah. then there's the, the, the transition to SBS as, as the department. Um, has that changed the types of, uh, I'll say transactions, right, that can be accessed now through SBS or, or through NIPR that there'll be new transactions rolling out maybe? Oh, new ones you're talking? <laughs> that the industry can support you? <laughs> there may be something there may be, that, there may be something that's They'll have to up. kill you though, uh, Alistair. Yeah, so. <laughs> right. Okay. But, yeah. I believe I believe that was actually spoken about at was it, I think it was at the last SBS um meeting um about the DRLP changes. Right. Um I don't know the specific dates of when it will be, but um, I, you know, yes, it, it is happening and Connecticut is the lucky number one for that. Mm -hmm. So that is actually one of the things that we did have online previous to, um, or prior, I'm sorry, prior to having SBS, that was one of our online um, availabilities. And then we went to paper um, when we transitioned and now they're able to work on getting um, a system up for that. So that's very exciting. And that's great, I think. Yeah. Yes. The industry so. would be very excited to have. Oh, them. good. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I don't know. I haven't been told of when that's coming. Mm -hmm. Just it's. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> well, anytime we can get away from paper, right? You know, that's absolutely the, right. Because absolutely. Way you don't have to, you know, scan and store and this and that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. All headache upon itself. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. And you know what, when somebody else, when, you know, the, the producer or the, you know, individual is entering the information, then we're not, you know, entering it incorrectly. Thank you. So, yeah, so that is definitely better. That's great. Well, well, we assume that you're going to be in Hollywood, Florida in the fall for the SILA conference. And we look forward to meeting you again in person there. Um, but until then, this has been a great chat with you. And we'd like to ask you our favorite final question for our guests. And mm -hmm. Alistair, would you like to ask it? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Jill, I mean, we always ask, looking back on your yeah. career and, and move forward as well, but looking back, what advice would you give to younger Jill, you know, as she started her career journey. Right. Um, and I actually talked with one of the ladies that I work with here and I'm like, I don't really know how to answer this question. <laughs> I go, so when I started, I was like, I want to learn everything. I, I'm not just one to sit in this seat and just do this one little task. I want to learn. So I learned how to learn about every single license type. So I know how to do every single job that's in licensing. And that's what was able to help me move up the ladder. But the one thing that we didn't have, and she actually is the one that said this to me, she said, you know, talking about SILA and she's like, you know, maybe if we, if we did the designation um, to, to get the designations, mm -hmm. that might've been helpful to us. So that's probably one of the things that I would say that for a younger person just starting out, look into those designations because I didn't do it. And like I said, I've been here for 24 years and 
that may have helped me with um, learning different aspects of things and and whatnot. I'm sure it would have only helped, not hindered me in in, in every way possible. Yes. So sure. I would probably say that that would be it. Or to anybody, just don't don't just do this one little task. Broaden what you you know. Mm-hmm. Learn as much as you possibly can. You know, because it only helps you. And then sometimes you're like, okay, I totally get why we're doing this now. Whereas before you would have been like, this is stupid. Why are we doing it like this? (laughs) And it it just, it, you know, like I said before, in the beginning, going from different divisions, it made sense to me why we were doing things the way we were doing them. Right. So yeah, just learn as much knowledge as possible. That's right. Knowledge is power, right? That's what they say. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Any anything else that you like to add? Anything we should be aware? Anything you like to plug at the state? Um, well, I just want to say it's been wonderful, like meeting both of you and sitting down and actually talking with you both. Um, it's been a wonderful experience. Um, I've always been very shy, and I was when I got the email asking me to do this. I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> and that's how I was when I had to go up on the stage at in in um, at Sila. So I'm like, all right you have to get over these fears. So I appreciate you guys reaching out to me and asking me to do this. And it's just been a wonderful experience. Well, we back at you and we appreciate your bravery in doing it. And I'm glad you said that because that is actually a very common fear that many people have. Some people are good at hiding that fear. Um, I'm one that also shares that fear and things like public speaking are not comfortable for me. I do it and I think I hide it well, but it's, it is hard. It's a really hard thing. And sometimes our new members at Sila, sometimes, um, we try to seek out those that are new, newly being oriented and try to make Mm -hmm. sure people feel comfortable because Sila is a great safe space for people starting out in their careers. And it's such a friendly organization and people are so supportive and it just feels like a very safe place to ask your questions and not feel foolish and all mm-hmm. of that. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I'm sharing that I have the same struggle. Yeah. <laughs> I learned recently in talking with many people that there are many people that also share that. So we want to get that out there. Shout out to the people who are in a little introverted mm-hmm. and um, know that other members are here to support you. It's a safe space and, you know, just reach out and we're here for you. Wonderful. So Jill is so much fun. I hope you had a great time too. And we hope that you will be a repeat guest. (laughs) (laughs) You've been great. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Thank you. Well, Diana, another great pod. Yes. Jill really shared some great information that I am sure that Silas members will appreciate very much. Absolutely. We'd like to thank her for being a guest on the show. Um, and as everyone knows, if you have questions for us, please reach out. Our email is silaspeaks at sila.org. Our Twitter is at silaspeaks. Don't forget to follow Sila on the Sila LinkedIn page. Be a follower. A lot of great information is there as well as on the Sila website. And uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Yeah, absolutely. And until our next podcast, we'll see you then. Bye.
The materials in this podcast are intended to provide a general overview of the issues contained herein and are not intended nor should they be construed to provide specific legal or regulatory guidance or advice. If you have any questions or issues of a specific nature, you should consult with appropriate legal or regulatory counsel to review the specific circumstances involved. The information or opinions communicated in this podcast are not necessarily opinions of SILA and the SILA Foundation.